From the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, this is Catholic Military Life, the only official podcast of the Archdiocese. I'm your moderator, Taylor Henry. And joining me by telephone from Virginia today, retired Admiral William Fallon. Admiral Fallon, thank you so much for talking to me today. My pleasure, Taylor. Great to be with you. Yes, sir. It's great to have you. And our topic today is the upcoming pilgrimage for the Sea Services, which will be held on October 4th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, 339 South Seton Avenue in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Um, Admiral Fallon, you uh, have uh, been long involved in the pilgrimage. Uh, uh, This year is going to be a little different. Can you... uh, Tell me about that because of COVID-19. Sure, Taylor. We've had to make some adjustments, but I think we're uh, we're on track, and uh, it should be uh, a very, very nice, nice event. And uh, I guess the uh, a little bit of background. Uh, first of all, the uh, pilgrimage has been ongoing since the mid 1970s, and it was started by uh, the late uh, Cardinal John O'Connor when he was the chief of Navy chaplains. And uh, his, uh, his colleague in this endeavor was Admiral Jim Watkins, at that time the chief of naval personnel, later went on to become the chief of naval operations, the head of the U.S. Navy, and then uh, serving as energy secretary. But the pilgrimage has been ongoing for, for all these years. It's done annually up at the Seton Shrine. Uh, this year, the modifications will be that because of the COVID epidemic, we've had to spread out the seating. Um, Rob Judge and his team up at the Shrine have, have already uh, got this figured out. And whereas uh, normally we could accommodate, uh, last year I think we had about 450 folks attend. Uh, up to about 500 in a beautiful church up there. This year, uh, the number is going to be limited to about 200 inside. So a number of invitations have been sent out to military members, active and retired, in the area and uh, through uh, to other people uh, that live uh, closer uh, to the shrine. And the staff up there is working through those uh, right now. So the physical layout of this will be that the seating will be uh, separated. Uh, we will uh, require folks to have a mask uh, when they uh, they arrive and uh, to be distant in accordance with the way the ushers will seat them. Uh, but nonetheless, we uh, plan to run this uh, live. Uh, bishop uh, Joseph Coffey, who's Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese for the Military Services, is going to officiate at the Mass. I've spoken with him. He's looking forward to it. Uh, a couple of other modifications are that we normally have the uh, Catholic choir from the United States Naval Academy uh, to provide uh, music and, and choral uh, background. They will not be able to come up and join us this year, so we'll have to make some accommodation for that. Uh, but all in all, I think we should be, uh, the Mass itself should go off uh, pretty much uh, per, per normal uh, with the reduced seating. Uh, the other modification we've made is that we've traditionally sponsored a uh, dinner 
after the mass uh, in the, the nuns' uh, dining room uh, at the convent. Uh, this year we will not be able to do that. However, uh, we will have uh, meals available in, uh, in box lunch form uh, to carry out, and people are welcome to either take these with them as they return to their homes or we'll have uh, places set aside uh, outside, <clears throat> kind of picnic uh, table style, so folks can stay and uh, enjoy the meal there in the, in the vicinity. So other than that, I think we should be pretty much uh, normal and, and really looking forward to this year. And I, as I understand it, Admiral, the, uh, Admiral Fallon, uh, the, um, um, the Mass will be live-streamed on the uh, Seton Shrine website. Uh, so anybody can watch, correct? Uh, that's correct. Uh, that'll be the, the first time we've done that. Uh, the Shrine has had some experience in the last uh, several months in, in getting this uh, kind of an operation up and running, so that ought to be pretty smooth. And it'll give us an opportunity to have folks that aren't uh, able to actually physically come and join us to see it. And it's actually going to be available worldwide. So uh, it should be, uh, should be neat and interesting and a great opportunity for folks to see see what we do here every year and uh, participated uh, at least to the extent they can do it virtually. Now you mentioned that the pilgrimage for the sea services go back goes back to the uh, mid-70s uh, and I understand there's a connection with uh, the late John Cardinal O'Connor. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Well Cardinal O'Connor was uh, was a Philadelphia uh, bred uh, young man, went in the priesthood, and then came in the Navy and served for many years as a chaplain. And I had the opportunity to meet him once when I was a younger officer. Uh, we met, met on an airplane, actually, uh, coming up from Norfolk to Washington. But at any rate, uh, Cardinal O'Connor um, and Admiral Watkins uh, thought that this would be a, a really uh, good thing to do since uh, Mother Seton had just been canonized as the first American-born uh, saint in the Catholic Church. And, uh, and so Cardinal O'Connor worked uh, to get her uh, designated as the patroness of the sea services. And the connection here is that uh, Mother Seton's uh, two sons uh, actually served in the United States Navy. Uh, the names were William and Richard, and uh, they served... Uh, during the uh, uh, early 1800s, and uh, Elizabeth Ann, uh, during that time as the mom, uh, went through uh, many of the same experiences that uh, the mothers and, and family members uh, do up to this day uh, with the service member uh, distant from them and having to correspond by mail. Things are a little different today, but in those days, uh, letters, and it took a long time probably to get these things in place. but. Uh, she uh, she had a uh, spot uh, in her heart, obviously, for uh, for these uh, sons of hers uh, serving in the Navy. It was kind of a natural, uh, natural thing. So Cardinal O'Connor initiated this, and, uh, and it's been it's been going ever since. So we welcome uh, in our group anyone who's connected with the sea services, the United States Navy and United States Marine Corps, United States Coast Guard the Merchant Marine, uh, Public Health Service, who, who serve in uniform, and uh, any of their uh, their families uh, and friends we invite to come up and, and be a part of the, of the pilgrimage. Uh, 
I am privileged to head is uh, called the Sponsoring Committee. Again, it's been around for, for a long time since Admiral Watkins kicked it off. And this is uh, a group of retired uh, naval personnel from, from the various services who uh, get together uh, once a year to uh, come up and join together in the mass uh, and also uh, provide a little bit of a financial stipend to keep this thing going, to take care of uh, any expenses at the shrine and, and to provide a meal that's become uh, uh, pretty, pretty well known over the years. And so it's, it's a privilege to be with this group and uh, look forward to seeing as many of them as can come up this year in person. I'm talking to Admiral William Fallon of the uh, retired, uh, uh, retired officer of the United States Navy. And we're talking about the uh, pilgrimage for the sea services uh, being held this year on October 4th, Sunday, October 4th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time at the uh, National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, 339 South Seton Avenue, Nimitzburg, Maryland. Uh, the um, congregation held back to uh, no more than 200 this year because of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic and related shutdowns uh, and uh, social distancing measures imposed by the state and local officials. Uh, Admiral Fallon, since you um, graduated from uh, Villanova, the ROTC program there, you spent 40 years, gave 40 years of your life on active duty to the United States Navy. Uh, could you talk a little bit about um, some of the faith traditions that take place in the Navy and how important spirituality is? For example, uh, I understand that uh, they still have the tradition that uh, there's a, a Vespers or a, a prayer service on every U.S. Navy warship uh, right before uh, lights out. Uh, could you um, tell us a little more about the, the faith traditions and the importance of spirituality for the men and women who serve our nation in the Navy? Sure, Taylor. It's been a long-standing tradition in the Navy, certainly to recognize uh, uh, that uh, we're powerless without the hand of God, and, and we're very dependent on uh, on the good Lord for everything that we enjoy and for our uh, days and nights at sea. And, and we ask uh, for divine protection for the people that are on the seas or connected to it. And so it's uh, the traditional end of the day on uh, on U.S. warships is to have an evening prayer. And uh, the chaplain will typically come on the public announcing system, the ships we call it the, the 1MC, and uh, he'll uh, pronounce uh, a prayer, a benediction to the day, and, and that's uh, before folks turn in. Uh, that is on those ships that <laughs> that have uh, that kind of a schedule. Uh, some some of the bigger vessels, the aircraft carriers, of course, uh, going 24 hours a day, and uh, often uh, pretty busy around the 10 p.m. hour when a normal prayer call is held. But in addition to that, uh, divine services are are held uh, on the ships uh, whenever possible. Uh, on Sundays for the Christian tradition, uh, there are uh, Jewish services for Jewish service members and, uh, and recently uh, Muslim services in those places where we have... Uh, 
uh, chaplains of, of that faith. But uh, it's, a, it's been a strong tradition. Um, it's uh, signified by uh, many outward signs. In fact, at the Navy, we have a thing called the church pennant, uh, which is flown uh, from the mast uh, during church services uh, on at sea. And um, we have uh, tried to make opportunities available for, uh, in this case, all of our Catholic personnel uh, whenever possible. Uh, I will share with you that we are struggling a bit these days uh, from a couple of viewpoints. I think one, clearly, there's been uh, there's been a drop off in uh, the number of folks that are uh, maintaining their uh, regular religious traditions. Uh, the other thing that's a particular challenge for the Navy is that the number of chaplains greatly diminished from the days when I was a younger officer at sea. That's, uh, that's a reflection, I believe, of the reality today of the paucity of priests uh, uh, throughout our diocese, and then uh, the fact that uh, those, those priests are often not available uh, because they serve in the military at the discretion of their own bishops. And the bishops, uh, understandably, are rather loath sometimes to let go of their, um, their good priests uh, when they have so many needs around the, the uh, diocese around the country. However, the archdiocese of the military services uh, currently headed for about the last decade by Archbishop uh, Timothy Prolio uh, have been very, very active here trying to uh, promote service uh, in the chaplain corps of all the services, not just the sea services, to, uh, uh, to administer uh, religiously to our people. And so we try to work uh, hand in glove with the archdiocese, and in fact they're co-sponsors for this event coming up. And the archdiocese uh, has a uh, very vigorous initiative to try to recruit uh, young men to the priesthood and increasingly uh, finding uh, fertile ground for that from uh, among our military members. And so quite a number of young men have uh, heard the call uh, to service in the priesthood. Uh, the archdiocese will actually sponsor these young men in the seminaries and uh, try to uh, basically uh, work a deal with the bishops to uh, have them uh, come back into the service uh, after they finish their studies in the seminary and then the bishops uh, asking for uh, some period of time to um, work in their diocese. So the archdiocese has been uh, very aggressive in uh, promoting this program and uh, we'll begin to see some, see it bear fruit. And as you mentioned, uh, since Archbishop Brolio um, assumed command here at the uh, Archdiocese for the Military Services, uh, the number of co-sponsored seminarians has increased dramatically from, uh, I think we had seven in 2008. And uh, as of last year, we were upwards of almost 50. Um, a good many of those were uh, ordained either uh, transitional deacons or priests this year so we're down to around 40 right now but still uh, lots more in the pipeline and it's a good thing because as you mentioned uh, there's a shortage of priests uh, not only in the military but uh, nationwide and uh, unfortunately that's kind of a, a vicious cycle because the fewer priests there are 
generally, the fewer there are to serve in the military. And, we, and we've seen some of the fallout. I mean, you know, the Archdiocese for the Military Services had to fill the gap with contract priests, that is, civilian priests who uh, serve under contract with the Department of Defense. And uh, uh, the, the military generally, uh, the Navy in particular, uh, are all seeing the uh, encroaching of secularism. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're recording this uh, podcast on September 23rd of 2020. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we saw an effort by the Navy to uh, uh, to cancel some of those uh, uh, priest contracts out on the West Coast. Fortunately, uh, cooler heads prevailed and the Navy relented uh, in uh, large part due to the behind-the-scenes efforts of Archbishop Brolio. Uh Admiral William Fallon, what is your uh, feeling about that? Do you think we're going to continue to, to see uh, your, your best guess uh, based on your 40 years of service? Uh, are we going to see more and more secularization, or is there uh, enough resistance? Uh, uh, is there a, a, an, enough will to defend the right to practice one's faith in the military to hold off uh, these secularist trends we're seeing? Taylor, let me uh, spend a couple of minutes addressing this subject because I'm actually fairly familiar with it from my time on active duty. And particularly, uh, I served for three years as the Vice Chief of the Navy in Washington, effectively the Chief Operating Officer of the Service. So I had a, I can give you the background. It's, uh, it's a little bit complex, but the genesis of it is back to the same problem of not enough priests. And also the reality that uh, in the uh, religious lives of people in our country, we've seen a, a steady migration away from more traditional churches, uh, be they Catholic or the so-called mainline Protestant uh, uh, faiths, um, Episcopalian, Presbyterian, Baptist, Lutheran, and the Catholics, and, uh, and a small number of Jewish personnel uh, were served by chaplains from those faiths. But in recent years, there's been a, uh, a steady growth in, uh, in new organizations, new churches, if you would, uh, mostly uh, probably to be categorized as non-traditional uh, Protestant churches that have sprung up all over the country. The, the growth of, of new churches, if you would, new congregations, different types of uh, religious organizations within the country have proliferated in recent decades. Uh, many of the ministers of these churches have asked to join the military in the chaplain corps uh, to minister to their uh, growing congregations. And so we have uh, dual pressures here uh, of these many of these new ministers wanting to serve as chaplains and the decline of available priests have resulted in uh, substantially reduced numbers of Catholic priests available, and I'll just stick to the naval services. And so it's the same Navy Chaplain Corps that provides the priests for the Navy and Marine Corps and Coast Guard. And uh, the numbers have gone down, and what has happened in the last uh, number of years is that uh, the Navy has had to prioritize uh, where the priests are assigned. And uh, given a choice, we will always, uh, almost always, always 
uh, and uh, our chaplains to those seagoing organizations, the ships <laughs> and Marines who deploy around the world, and the Coast Guard people, and they get the first priority. So that's resulted in uh, basically nobody left to serve in uh, many of the shore installation chapels and churches around the country and even beyond the borders of the U.S. So back in the day when we had a larger number of, of folks uh, who served who were active in their religious practices, and we had a larger number of priests, uh, we had churches everywhere, and there's not an installation that one could go to, I believe, in the Navy Marine Corps that you're not going to see a, see a chapel of some kind on that facility. Well, with nobody to demand them, there are still people there, albeit reduced numbers, and there's still families uh, that, uh, that would like to attend Mass and uh, the sacraments and other practices at these churches and chapels. So the solution has been, in recent years, is, is to hire what are called contract priests. And most of these priests are, in fact, retired chaplains uh, or retired priests that are from those areas. And, uh, and they, even though they've retired from chaplaincy, or in some cases retired from their diocesan duties, uh, they're still physically and mentally able to, uh, to serve, and they want to serve. And so uh, they have been employed, if you would, um, in these uh, chapels. So uh, they're, they're, they have to pay for them. And the Navy has a has a limited budget for these, and they end up coming out of the shore installations, which are not at the top of the food chain when it comes to comes to resource distribution in the Navy. And so, individually, uh, many of these regional commanders have looked around at ways to to save money. And as you saw recently, somebody had the the uh, in my opinion, not so bright idea that this is a wonderful way to save a couple bucks by <laughs> just uh, chopping the uh, uh, chopping this thing off. And and frankly, uh, the reality is the COVID epidemic has come into play here because uh, since the beginning of uh, lockdown, some places like California, an extreme lockdown, um, people aren't going to the chapels. Uh, they're not allowed to go. In some cases, for many months, the Navy wouldn't wouldn't allow any uh, close congregations, and so the chapels were closed, and now that they've reopened, uh, you have a lot fewer people because people are still staying away, maintaining their distance, and, and frankly still afraid of the spread of the COVID. So I think when some of these regional commanders looked around and said, well, you know, why are we spending this money? There's nobody even going to the places. And so uh, that was the genesis of this, uh, this short duration proposal to, to cut the funding. That's been reversed uh, by the Navy leadership, and uh, it's, it's not going to go away, in my opinion, because the main factors are still at play here. That the, uh, the use of the chapel is down because not enough or not as many people are practicing their faith, and, uh, and the availability of priests is still still problematic. So, uh, And then with the, the COVID and the financial pressures and so forth. So anyway, it's not a not a simple simple thing, uh, but for now, uh, I think we've passed it, and uh, people are attuned to it and, and stay vigilant as we go forward. Because I think it's very very important to look out clearly for the spiritual welfare of our people. 
and we can be thankful for that. I think Archbishop Brolio pointed out that these uh, three installations out in uh, California where they were going to cancel were going to uh, cancel the contracts of uh, civilian priests amounted to $250,000, which is a minuscule uh, proportion of the Navy's budget. Well, yeah, that's, it is, but, but recognize that they're, where it's coming from in the budget is not the top of the, top of the uh, you know, first dollar out. Understood, and thank, thank you for that. The, uh, if the funds go downhill to the uh, internal priority order, the sure installations get usually uh, significantly less than the, uh, the operational forces at sea and related to that. So, so we're talking about basically reality. the last pocket full of change. You got it. Uh, anyhow, something else we can pray for at the upcoming annual sure. pilgrimage Absolutely. for the sea services. Uh, we always pray for more vocations. And um, as I mentioned at the uh, top of the podcast, uh, anyone can uh, participate this year, even if uh, you're not among the uh, no more than 200 who will be uh, allowed into uh, the... Yeah, yeah. Uh, go, go, go ahead. <laughs> If I could, uh, let me uh, make a comment on that one so for anybody who might be interested in attending. So <clears throat> what we would like you to do is to uh, get in contact with the shrine uh, up in Emmonsburg. Uh, you can uh, you can go online and find their uh, their address pretty easily. I think it's uh, www.seatonshrine.org and, uh, and get uh, asked to uh, be included in the pilgrimage and to get a reservation because uh, we need to uh, we need to have people accounted for and we'd like to get that, that squared away before they uh, they come up there so please uh, go online it's the best way to do it uh, or you can call the seat and shrine but uh, to see if you could secure uh, get your reservation uh, so that uh, you can get the ticket and be cleared when you get there and that email uh, address unique thing for this year. And that email address, as you, uh, as you said, is uh, seatonshrine.org. Uh, and uh, you can go there not only to, uh, what, make a reservation or to request a seat. Uh, sure, yeah, that's what this year we're, we're going to uh, have to, people are going to have to get a reservation to get into the chapel just because of the substantially reduced numbers. But again, 200 is a pretty good-sized crowd, and I know the uh, reality is that uh, even looking at, uh, my own organization sponsoring committee a fair number of the people I even though I'm in the seventh decade and I don't consider myself old but my kids tell me otherwise but at any rate uh, <laughs> many of the, those folks are uh, a little resident to, to come in person uh, so I know we're going to have uh, have fewer people but we sure want to accommodate anybody that would like to come and would invite anybody to come it's just beautiful and, and I'll put a little plug in for the shrine itself it's uh it's uh, not only spiritually uplifting, it's a physically beautiful, a beautiful basilica up there. The setting uh, is difficult to match anywhere. It sits in the foothills of the, of the first ridge of the Blue Ridge Mountains there in Maryland. Uh, this time of year, it's typically beautifully green with the first touches of autumn and uh, the vicinity. They've got uh, lots of orchards and lots of fresh fruit and uh, it's a wonderful drive. It takes about an hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes from the Washington, D.C. area to get up there. Uh, beautiful drive. Enjoy the, the spiritual surroundings, the physical surroundings, and, uh, and 
get a, a meal to satisfy your stomach for the trip home. Uh, we invite uh, anybody that might be at all interested, please get a hold of the shrine, and, and we'd like to see you there. And uh, having um, been to at least one of these pilgrimages, I can certainly attest to that very beautiful campus. And the Seton Shrine's phone number is 301-447-6606. Again, that number, 301-447-6606. I would invite anyone that might be interested in coming up, if you call the Seton Shrine, to ask to speak to Tina Hefner, H-E-F-F-N-E-R. Tina's the executive assistant to... Rob Judge, the executive director, and Tina has been the, uh, the wizard behind uh, the administration of this pilgrimage for uh, a number of years now. She'll take care of it right away. Admiral William Fallon, join us by telephone from Northern Virginia. Admiral Fallon, thank you so much for talking to me today about the upcoming pilgrimage for the sea services, October 4th, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. 339 South Seton Avenue in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Thank you so much, Admiral. You're welcome, Taylor. My pleasure. Catholic Military Life is a podcast of the Archdiocese for the Military Services USA. The Archdiocese for the Military Services USA, the AMS, was established by Pope St. John Paul II in 1985. Her mission, to provide for the free exercise of Catholic faith in the U.S. military. VA medical centers, the civilian workforce employed by the federal government beyond U.S. borders, and the families of these populations, making the AMS the Church's only truly global archdiocese. Among pastoral services provided by the AMS under Archbishop Timothy Brolio, celebration of the sacraments, endorsement of chaplains, evangelization and religious education, sacramental record-keeping, a thriving seminarian program pastoral visitation by the bishops to military installations worldwide, and more. All told, 1.8 million Catholics all over the world depend on the AMS, based in Washington, D.C., to meet their spiritual and sacramental needs. The AMS receives no government funding. She depends entirely on private gifts for survival. For more information, visit millarch.org.